all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple and each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can you shout amen? Amen. amen. Please be seated. God, continue the work that you started in worship. Keep working on us. Keep moving. Keep blessing. Keep touching. Keep transforming our minds, how we think, and our lives, how we live. Amen. The speaker included. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. I've entitled this message, Thank God for the Church, and I'm going to back into this text in just a few moments. Uh, this is the fifth week of a series that we are suggesting that this is a great starting point for anyone who wants to go deeper in your faith. And Thomas Paine, uh, back in 1776, uh, right when it looked like the Continental Army was falling apart and we thought we were going to lose the Revolutionary War, uh, decided to try to inspire a sense of hope and patriotism by writing a set of treaties, pamphlets. And the first one he wrote started off with these words. These are the times that try men's soul. I think of those words as I, as I wrestle with the incredible stuff that's happening around me on the news. I mean, I, I, I was just, I don't know about you, but I, I was just, and, and, and psychiatrists have a term for this. They call it secondary post-trauma. I was traumatized watching and reading about the worst massacre in our history. 58 people senselessly, senselessly shot and killed at random by a 64-year-old millionaire. Shocked. And as I just kind of think about that over the course of the last several days, you know, it reminds me that a number of series ago, I, I created this phrase that I wanted us to say because, you know, everybody shouts sanctuary. This is, this is a sanctuary, and, 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 and this is a place where it's quite okay for you to acknowledge that you're not okay. So we haven't practiced this in a while, so I want you to join me. We're going to practice this. So turn to the person next to you. If you don't know them, just say, excuse me, introduce yourself because we're going to talk a little bit. Come on, come on, come on. So, all right. Right. Be, very, be very polite, but just tell them, say, excuse me, it's okay in here not to be okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's turn to somebody else. Find somebody else. If you know the person next to you, turn behind you. If you want to get up and just talk to somebody, come on. Let's just engage. Come on, come on, come on. I want you, you got to be convincing. You got to be convincing. All right. 
There you go. I like the sound of that. All right. All right, everybody say it with me. In here, it's okay not to be okay. And if you've been watching what I've been watching, dealing with what I've been dealing with, I, it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I, listen, I'm not okay this morning. Now, uh, this week there's been two phrases that's been coming in my mind. The first one uh, is by that great uh, theologian, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. <laughs> Marvin Gaye. Nineteen seventy one. What's going on? I, am I the only one waking up in the morning asking what's going on? Come on now. Mothers, mothers crying too much. Brothers, brothers dying too much. What's going on? Just last night, hurricane hit my home state, Louisiana, Mississippi. We're still trying to recover from Harvey in Texas and uh, Irma in Florida and Maria in Puerto Rico and all the stuff that surrounds that. Man, what's going on? I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, uh, do any of y'all feel me? Come on. I, I wake up in the morning, man, you checking it out, man, it's escalating chaos in our government, escalating chaos between us and North Korea, deepening the racial and social division all across the country. Am I the only one asking what's going on? What's going on? Man. And then there's another phrase. So Marvin Gaye, he's been coming to my mind. Then as I think about all this, Psalms 46, first two verses come to my mind. It's one of my favorite songs. I, I, I usually do the New Living Translation, but the New King James Version really gets it for me. Uh, for the Lord is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Uh, therefore, I will not fear. Though, come on now, the earth be removed and the mountains are carried away into the sea. I, I, I won't feel why, because God is my refuge. Anybody can relate to that? Come on now. Uh, that, that, that the only way we're going to survive this season is faith. Shout faith. faith. But I want to suggest if I might just modify Thomas Paine's phrase. I want to suggest that these are times that challenge our hope and stretch our faith. Anybody feel like your faith is stretching? I mean, even if you don't believe in God, if you're just a secularist, right? You just got secular faith. Man, what happened in Las Vegas will stretch your faith. You know, some of us, man, we've been working for uh, economic uh, equality, and you should be working for income equality. That's great. But y'all, the guy who killed those 58 people and wounded 400 was a millionaire. So if you think that money is going to solve it, you're wrong. 
Some of us have been working for greater educational opportunities across the country. God knows you ought to keep working for that. But the guy who shot those 58 people and wounded 400 plus, the man was educated. And what he, learned, he, what he taught us is that a brilliant mind and a bad heart is disastrous. And I, 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 these are the times when you need a faith that says that the God is still on the throne, that he is loving, and that he's able to redeem even Las Vegas. Redemption of God. When you ask what's going on, you need to hear the psalmist, for the Lord is my refuge and my strength. The very present time, very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, because I know though the mountains, though the earth be removed and the mountains cast into the sea, I know there's a loving and redeeming God still sitting on the throne. Do you know that? You know, my friend, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, I'm getting over her cold and I'm having brain numbers here. Chip Ingram says uh, that when we wake up in a world like we've just awakened to, everybody shout, we. We usually fall in one of four categories. We either, one, withdraw in fear. That means, you, you, you check and see, is this you? You said, hey, I'm not going to watch any more TV. I'm not going to read anything. I just can't take it anymore. You withdraw in fear. Or shall we? We either blame God or blame others. Well, you're looking for yourself now. Shall we? We either attack folk who are different from us or anybody who we feel like poses a threat to us or heightened sense of being prepared to attack is big. Shall we? Or we live in denial. What that means is we get up every morning, we get dressed, we pretend that we didn't hear the news last night, we pretend that, that we're not paying attention to what's going on with the government. We pretend, we just, we pretend that, that life is just all right until something happens to us. How do, we, how do you contend with it? Let's assume that we're going to reject those four strategies. Well, what, how, how, how do we contend? Well, everybody shout faith. You need faith. You need faith in the redeeming and loving God. Well, here's my question. Since these are the times that challenges our hope and test our faith, and I'm arguing the only way you make it through this season, not just survive, but come out thriving, is that you need a faith in a redeeming, loving God who still sits on the throne. Well, here's the question you and I've got to answer. Uh, 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 where do you go when your faith been wounded? Where do you go when your faith has been broken? Where do you go to get it repaired? Where do you go when your faith has been stretched so thin 
You know my answer? Thank God for the church. The church. The church. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. By the way, I just talked about the public stuff. I didn't get into the drama that's in your house. Right? I didn't talk about the struggle you're having with your kids. I didn't talk about the pain that's going on with your spouse. I didn't talk about uh, uh, how, how, how bad you're feeling because, you, 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 you know, you can't, you, it doesn't seem to be that anyone's going to marry you. Or, 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 I, I haven't talked about the struggle of not being able to give birth to kids. I, I haven't talked about that, 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 that medical exam that's waiting you, that you wake up every morning just feeling anxious about. I haven't talked about the fact that you're a student either in Stanford or junior college somewhere, and you're thinking, man, what am I doing here? I don't think I can make it. I ain't mentioned that. How do you how do you make it? If you're in any of those, how, how do you make it? Can somebody say faith? Now, this we've been talking about this. Acts is an extraordinary passage written by Luke, and he's given us the early events. 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, something really happens. But 50 days before this, uh, these events occurred, there was a super cataclysmic event. The cross was a super cataclysmic event. These folks thought that Jesus was the Son of God. These folks thought that he was the Messiah. And they stood at the foot of the cross. Many of them had left and dispersed, and they watched him die. That was a super cataclysmic event for them and a marker in history. On the first day of the week, Sunday morning for the Jewish calendar, the cross was empty. The report was that the tomb was empty. Then Mary Magdalene said, I, he, 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 he's alive. I know he's alive because I ran into him in the garden and he talked to me. And we had a dialogue and two folk on their way on the mayor's road said, he's alive, and I know he's alive because he joined us and talked with us and ate a meal with us and disappeared. And then later Peter said, he's alive, and I know he's alive because I denied him, and I met him on the other side of the grave. And he says, I got enough grace and forgiveness to restore you. He's alive. Shout, he's alive. That's what's going on in Acts 2. These folk, these men and women, uh, now they have been emboldened. They've come out of hiding, and they're standing up, and they're preaching the good news. They say, look, even our Jewish scriptures reported that this one, Jesus, was going to come, and he was going to die. He was going to be raised from the dead. And, and they went on to say in verse 38, Peter said, look, here's what you need to do. You need to uh, repent and turn from your sins. In other words, Turn from an agenda of selfishness and rebellion and a life that says, I want life on my own turn and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, receive some power to make it in a broken world. That's what he said. Watch this. And then in verse 41, here's what we figure out. Somebody shout, thank God for the church. The text says that those who believed Peter were baptized 
And then one day, 3,000 people joined the fellowship. That day the church was born. And here's what they teach us. Here's what they teach us. Watch this. They teach us that at the end of the day, our faith is not just about believing. It is also about belonging. Because you need a place to go when your faith is under attack by life. Tell somebody, you need to belong somewhere. Come on. And all these folk have been transformed. You know why? Because this cataclysmic event, the cross, had been transformed into a triumphant symbol. And here's, what, here's, here's their frame of mind. They knew that in, in front of them were more cataclysmic events. Come on now. Though the earth be removed and the mountains will slam into the sea. Uh, uh, they knew that there would be persecution and, and some people would be burned at the stake and others would be fed to the lions and there was all kinds of horrible things. But from their perspective, the worst thing that could happen to them was death, shout death. And when Jesus got up from the dead, he shattered the power of death out shattered. So if the worst thing that life can offer to me is death and the one I believe in has shattered the power of death, I can declare, come on now, the Lord is my refuge and my strength. Come on. A, a, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Even if reality comes unglued, I'm all right. I've got hope. And I get hope not by watching the news. I get hope not by reading the, 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 the newspaper. I get hope by turning my eyes to the cross. And here's the point. Now, the early Christian, they would look at every future cataclysmic event through the lens of the cross. Shout below. All right, here's, here's the insight. If I need faith to survive and thrive, the only place I can find it is in, watch this, a community of faith. So Jesus followers, we need, shout need, a community of faith and a plan to grow our faith. Because faith is so desperate, it's, it's going to make the difference between your ability to inhale and exhale sometime. So you need a community of faith and a plan to grow your faith. Let me tell you, community of faith. Let me tell you why you need a community of faith. Because you cannot get a faith fix on your job. Because your job will help to create for you financial security, but your job is not designed to give you eternity, eternal security. You cannot get a faith fix in your recreational activity. You might play tennis or golf or basketball, or you might go to the gym and work out, or you might do your cycling, and here's what I can guarantee you. Your recreational activity can give you a fit body, but it cannot make your soul fit. Right? 
You cannot get a faith fix in school, high school, college, wherever you are, because schools are designed to help you to intellectually grow, but they are not designed to help you to spiritually grow. In school, you'll learn about the events of history, but only in the church do you learn about the God of history. See, your job is not designed to strengthen your faith. Your recreation is not designed for that. So you need a faith community. Tell a person next to you, you need a faith community. Now, I'm not just talking about this church. Let me tell you a story quickly. Uh, the last two weeks, one of our staff people's designed, and we've been working towards this, we finally got it. That we got a system, and I'm, 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 I'm testing it myself for the next two weeks. We got a system. And if you fill out this card, connection card, if you've been filling it out, if we got a record of you filling it out three to six times in a row, and then suddenly we miss your filling it out three times in a row, your name going to pop up on the list. <laughs> All right. I'm testing. Now, now, now listen, listen, listen. You're going to want your name to pop up on this list. I'm going to tell you why. Tell you why. Right, right, right. All right. So, over the last two weeks, I've called 16 people, 16 names popped up on the list. Now, if you've never filled out this card, your name's not going to pop up anywhere. <laughs> but if you regularly fill out this card and you miss three weeks in a row, it's going to pop up. And guess what? 16 people. Last week, I called 10. And, 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 and I called them up. And then I say, hello. They say, hello. I say, this is Pastor Herman. They say, oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's not God. It's Pastor Herman. It's Pastor Herman. I say, listen, you might have been in church and you might have just forgot to fill this card out, but I just want you to know for the last three weeks, you, you, we don't have a card from you. And I'm not calling you to give you a hard time. I'm not calling you to guilt you. I'm not calling you to tell you about how horrible it is. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm calling you to tell you that when we say that everybody matters to God, we mean everybody. And we, we just, I'm just calling to make sure you okay, that there's not a problem going on, that there's no challenges going on. Is there some way we can help you? Wow. Huh? Huh? I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of a community of a thousand people, but you're missing for three weeks and you get a call from somebody that says, we just want to make sure you're all right because nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And we want to care for each of you. So a couple of them said, well, Pastor, I was there. I just didn't know that it was anything important for filling out the card because I come every week. Tell the person next to you, he's talking about me. Just tell him he's talking about me. <laughs> I said, cool, no worries, no worries, it's awesome. I said, so just make sure you fill out the card next week or you're going to be getting another call. <laughs> anyway, one of the young men I called, I called six this week, and in a couple of weeks I'm not going to stop the call and our staff will take it over and, and our leaders will take it over. But I wanted to make sure it worked. I called this young man. I said, for three weeks we don't have... Records just want to make sure you're okay. He said, no, Pastor, he's shocked that I called. He said, no, I, I'm a graduate of uh, Stanford, and uh, 
And, you know, I've been with NBCC all of my, my growing up, my Stanford years. And so I just, you know, a lot of new churches, I just want to check out and see if there's some other churches that may even better fit me than NBCC. I said, oh, that is so awesome. I said, that's fantastic. You know, you've got my total blessing on that. Go out and look just because at the end of the day, young man, what you need, you don't have to be at NBCC, but I do believe you need a faith community. You need a faith community. You need a faith community. You need a place that you can go, and you need a plan to grow your faith. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love it if you keep coming here, but listen, my point here is if, you, if this is not the place for you, that's all right. Find you a church. Because if you're going to make it through this season being a light to somebody else, you need a faith community. You need a place that specializes in faith. Now, let me just acknowledge this because I know some people think this. Look, man, I don't know why you're pushing this, man. Listen, uh, all, the, all the preachers that I know that are messed up, okay, listen, let me just acknowledge. There's a lot of preachers that are, okay, there's some preachers that are messed up. Yeah, they have pretty badly. Let me just go ahead and acknowledge. And yes, there's some folk who show up at church. You might think about what church you grew up in. Yeah, they showed up in church and they intentionally painted a picture, presented a picture in church when they know there was something totally different outside the church. I get that. I get that. But here's my point. Don't confuse a small group with millions of Jesus followers all over the world who are just like you and me, not trying to do anything but show up with this rare combination, come on now, of flaws and faithfulness. Flaws and faithfulness. And so when you come in here and you're sitting by somebody who's broke, you know, they just say, welcome to the party. I wouldn't want to be in a perfect church anyway. I'm, I'm telling you, because when I showed up, it would no longer be perfect. Right, right. Now, listen, and if the church is perfect and I'm not perfect, I can't connect with nobody. I can't identify with nobody. I'm just, I'm in an isolated place by myself. I don't want to be isolated when I go. I want a church of broken people. Come on now. I want a church of folk who love Jesus, and, and they can declare, look, I'm not perfect, I'm struggling. Everybody in church is not a hypocrite. There's a lot of us just strugglers, y'all. Come on, tell the person next to you, he's a struggler. Come on, tell him he's a struggler. That's what Paul was a struggler. He said, he said, good, I would do that, I don't do. Come on now, but I'm a redeemed struggler. Shout struggler. All right, you need a plan. Shout plan. Let me hustle this. When you look at this text, it gives you a way to measure. Here's some elements. You can put it together however you want. But here's some basic elements that you need in order to have a plan to grow. Because if you don't have a plan to grow your faith, guess what? It doesn't just grow. It's just showing up to church, that, that, that's not sufficient enough. You need a plan. Shout plan. All right, here, here, here's some elements. First of all, look at verse 42. It says that the people were devoted, shall devoted, meaning they had a commitment to three things. The first thing they had a commitment to was the teaching of the apostles. Here's my translation, practical teaching. 
In other words, these are the guys who spent three and a half years with Jesus. And so they would show up on radio. People would gather around them and they'd say, look, here's a Hebrew text that we've been studying as kids growing up. Here's how it pointed to Jesus. And by the way, we spent three and a half years with him. Now we're beginning to get what he taught us. So we're going to teach you what it means to be a Jesus follower. He said, for example, to us, Here's a new commandment that I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. They started teaching that way. They said, you know, he taught us that ye are the salt of the earth. So don't lose, don't lose your flavor. You are the light in the world. So don't hide your life. Come on now. He taught us to wash each other's feet, to accept one another in the same way he accepted us. And these apostles was practically teaching from what they learned from Jesus, come on now, to folk who are trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So find a church. Here's how you know you're in a healthy church. Find a church where there's some woman or man who halfway know what they're doing. Can help you make a connection between the scripture, come on now, and Jesus' life and how you ought to live your life and how do you interpret what's going on around. Shout practical teaching. You need practical teaching. Whatever church you pick. Secondly, watch this. So they were devoted. Shout devoted. That means they were committed to fellowship. You don't just need to sit up in a place like this and worship and sing and all that. You need some fellowship, y'all. You need to come on. Come on. You need to go back in the back. You need some donuts, some coffee, some lumpia. Come on. Some burritos, some fried chicken, some greens. You need somebody to cut a joke. Come on now and laugh and tell a funny story. You need somebody who can teach you how to do the doogie. I don't know what you you Come on. You, you need to go bowling with some believers and basketball playing with some believers and hanging out in Panera with some believers. Come on. Come on. Skating with some believers. You need to hang out in fellowship. Because there's something about faith development that is not just about up here. It's about hanging out with one another. Shout hang out. That's the biblical word for fellowship. And then inside of the fellowship, watch this. It says they also did communion. Oh, this shows about the unique shape of the church. Because your job is not designed to do communion. The text says Lord's Supper. Your recreational place is not designed to do the Lord's Supper, communion. Your classroom is not designed to do the Lord's Supper. See, the Lord's Supper, that's a teaching, that's a reinforcing mechanism, all right? Here's, here, here's, what the, here, here's two things that we learn. The Lord's Supper reminds us about the victory we have in the cross. Shout cross! All right, and here's a word I haven't given you to it. I'm going to give it to you. Atonement. Atonement. That means to cover. It means that Jesus' death covered our sins. It also means in the Greek to cancel, to cancel our sin debt. Shall cancel. Yeah, y'all don't get it. I'm going to show it to you. All right. I'm going to see how much y'all trust me. Uh, Hal, you trust me? All right, hold on a minute. I'm going to read this for you. I owe Pastor Herman $1 million. I want you to sign this. Will you sign this? I want you to sign this. You, you sign this. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. What's your name? Lita. Do you trust me? All right. Did you hear? Let me read it for you. I owe Pastor Herman $1 million. Will you sign it? All right. It's legal now. I want you to sign it. Sign it. Sign it. 
Come on, come on, come on. Man, you trust me? Yes. Come on, come on. You heard what it says? Yes. How much you going to owe me? A million dollars. Oh, you ready to sign it? All right, here, 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 right here. Everybody, everybody shout, sign it, sign it, sign it, sign it. Sign it, sign it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. How you signed it? All right, give me, give me a paper. No, no, I got to have it, man. <laughs> this is my contract. Come on, man. <laughs> man, you, you, you signed it? All right, all right, all right. Who else I gave it? You signed it? All right, all right, all right. Okay, wait just a minute, wait just a minute. Uh, 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 do you have a million dollars? All right, wait a minute. How you going to pay me? What about an installment plan? You think you can do an installment plan? <laughs> you, you, you really can't pay it, right? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tear it up. All right, how? Do you have a million dollars? I do not. Uh, how, uh, what about an installment plan? Not going to work? Oh, well, okay. I'll just... No, not that. <laughs> All right, here's what I'm going to do with your debt. I'm just going to tear it up. All right, all right. All right. You, you got a million dollars? Well, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Post dated for what, 100 years from now? <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your debt and just tear it up, all right? That's a safe time. And that's what God says to us through Jesus Christ. Can you pay your sin debt? And the answer is no. So he said, I'm just going to tear it up. We remember that every time we take communion. There's something else to remember as we take communion. This is what the people are practicing in their faith community. And it's what I call assurance. Assurance. Jesus, uh, Paul says in Romans uh, 8, 31, 32, if, if God did not hold back giving us his, whole, his, his son, Will he not give us everything? And here's the point. No other religion on the planet, you find this. God is not just, Jesus is not just simply dying to say, I'm going to handle your sin debt so I can free you of condemnation so you can grow. But he's also dying to prove to you that God is not so sensitive about his godness that he will stay at a distance he comes to show up in the crucifixion means he will show up in whatever your most catastrophic event is. He'll meet you there. He's with you. Some of you may have heard the story about the fellow who loved God, go to church, go to work every day, talk about God, talk about how great church was. And one day his son was, went over the cliff in a car was murdered, killed, rather. Three weeks, he finally got back to work, tears. So painful, he just had to periodically go to the bathroom and cry. One of the atheists in, the, in his colleague circle waited for about three months, and he said, listen, I've been waiting for this time to ask you. You talked about how good God is and all that kind of stuff. He said, let me just ask you this God you're talking about. Where was he when your son went across the cliff? And the guy didn't miss a beat. He said, I know exactly where my God was. Where was he, the atheist said. He was in the, sun, he was in the car with my son. And he went across, the, he went over the cliff with him. Oh, God. This side of the cross means that God is for us. 
This side of the cross means that God is with us. And when Jesus gets up from the grave, he is the eternal evidence that even when death comes, he is always there. Watch this to catch us. And what that father was saying, not only did God go across over the cliff with my child, but when death caught my, when, when death closed his eyes, my God caught my child. Whew. That's why I'm able to say the Lord is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Although the earth be removed and the mountains are cast into the sea, I'm not worried. Even if I show up in the hospital, I know not by watching the news, not by reading a book, not by what you say, but I look at the cross and I'm reminded God's with me right where I am. He's going to see me through. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Fellowship. And then there's prayer. You need to be in a place where when, you're, when, you, when you need prayer, you need to prayer. You need to be in a place where somebody can pray for you and pray with you. Most of the fellowship that happens for us happens uh, oftentimes in a small group. So, so I'll talk about in a moment how you need to be in a small group. In our small groups, you know, that's when people show up and they have opening prayer and they study what I've taught on Sunday. The basic question is, what does it mean to take a step in that direction? This week they'll be talking about what does it mean to, to uh, you know, uh, uh, to go deeper in your faith community. And somebody might open up their heart and there may be some tears and, 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 and they will share and pray with that person. And then when it's over, man, they're going to grab some fried chicken and some greens and they're going to start telling some stories. And if you stay in that group a year later, come on now, you're going to be family. That's the group. That's what happens in small groups. That's what happens in a faith community. That's a plan to grow your faith. And then shout Generosity. Verse 45, it says that they sold their property and their possessions and they gave it to those who were in need. And if you really want to grow your faith, you've got to understand that Jesus taught that wherever your treasures are, that's where your heart is. So you've got to practice opening your hands because an open hand leads to an open heart. And, and, and if you're not naturally a giver, you've got to learn how to give, right? If you're not naturally a giver, you can't just talk to your heart and say, okay, heart, open. You can talk to Siri like that. Siri will say, open the app. But you can't talk to your heart like that. You can talk to Google, but not your heart. The best thing to do to get your heart to open up is that you've got to start practicing opening up your hand. And as you open your hand, your heart will follow. Shout give. It's part of your faith development. And then lastly, it says that they were worshipped every day in the temple and at homes which means that you need a commitment to a big group like here because there's some stuff that happens in here that you can't duplicate. If you were in that worship a few moments ago, you get it. Come on now. There's some teaching here that, 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 that I'm uniquely gifted to give you or somebody else in some other church. You want that, right? But then there's some stuff that happens in small groups. And so what the text says, you need to be committed to both the big group and the small group. And then lastly, you need to be committed to time. Shout time. They have committed time. It said they met every day. That's what verse uh, 56, uh, 45 and 46 says. They met every day. Now, I'm not suggesting you got to meet every day, but you need to develop a rhythm. And how regularly are you going gonna to show up in big church and show up in your small group? Here's the point. Listen, take a class and only show up twice during the semester. See, do you pass? 
Come on, you really want to grow? Come on, come on. You want to learn how to braid? Come on, show up three times in one year and try to talk about I know how to braid. The only hair you're going to braid is mine's. <laughs> when you want to learn how to play tennis, you got to show up regularly and practice and practice and practice. So you need to make a time commitment. You don't just jump in and jump out. If you really intend to grow your faith. And part of that time commitment is if you're saying thank God for the church, part of that time commitment is for you to help make the church the church is supposed to be. Can you say serve? Here's where I'm going to end it and finish. You know, I thank God for the church. I'm talking about me personally. I had a bad week. I had a tough week. And, but then God knows how to deal with you. And I, uh, uh, out of the blue, I got an email from Pastor John Ortberg. He's never sent me an email. He sent me an email, and the email basically said, he said, Herman, I don't know, man. There may be some tough stuff going on in your life. I don't know. He said, I just felt led to send you this email. And he, and he reminded me of what a mentor told him. He says that his mentor translated Psalms 23, the first two verses, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The mentor translated it. Somebody bigger than me has my life. And then, and then last night I was preparing. I, I, oh, I thank God for the church. See, that's a relationship that comes out of the church. Uh, uh, then last night I was preparing the, the message, and I got a call from a mentor I haven't heard from in, I don't know, my eight, nine months, Bishop Frank Pinkard, and he called me, and I said, hey, Dad. And he, and he, he, he said, hello, and then he immediately went into prayer. And he just started praying, just started praying, just started praying. And when he finished, he didn't even say goodbye. No, he, he, he finished, he said goodbye and hung up the phone. In other words, God had put on his heart. Uh, Herman needs somebody to pray for him. Come on now. And, and, and he raised up. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. Thank God for relationships. Come on now. That surrounds us in the church that God can draw. Oh, when I think about the headlines, I just want to leave by simply saying, the Lord is my refuge and my strength. A very present time of help in the, in, in the time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. He's God. Got me covered. Give God a hand, praise is over. <laughs>